Welcome, White Sox fans, to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Here are your hosts, Ian Eskridge and Danny Miller. Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. What's up, Draft? How you doing? Good to see you. Well, I mean, it's it's a off season right now. And there is not really a whole lot going on. Um, we've got a bunch of very little, very little uh, moves that have happened. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, here is my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? I'm okay. You know, uh, you say we are in the off season, and it it almost feels as if the White Sox have taken the off season off up to this point, you know, aside from uh, some smaller things. And, you know, there's always the uh, the whispers of what may to, you know, come to fruition, uh, what may come to be. But, yeah, it, I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for things to happen. Uh, but, you know, on the, uh, on the other hand, uh, really not much for me to worry about and critique at the same time. You know what I mean? Like we can't say, oh, well, this guy sucks or that guy sucks and well, shouldn't have paid this guy that much or any of that. So, I mean, I guess there's some uh, respite in not uh, doing much of anything, but at the same time, you're like, come on, man. Like uh, what's going on here? I know we're in a, and I'm going to use the air quotes up there, for, you know, retool retool but uh yeah you know again i don't buy it so anywho man how's things with you dude things are good you know uh christmas is a uh is coming up uh, you know the holidays are upon us um you know and there's uh there is that um you know i guess i you know i might as well go ahead and throw that on hey nice and festive uh since it is that time of year um yeah, I mean, just you know, just kind of banging away, getting to uh, the holiday, you know, to the holiday here, so uh, I can take a couple of days off of work and relax and uh, do that. Oh, Parents are coming into town, glorious. so that's good. Yeah, can't wait. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, uh, just kind of you know, watching things happen in baseball. Uh, Shohei finally signed, um, you know, last week, and we talked about that. Uh, you know, a couple of the dominoes have fallen. Not really anything exciting. Uh, you know, I I don't know what everybody's waiting for. Um, you know, there's like a hundred and something free agents right now in Major League Baseball, and uh, people are taking their time signing. Um, Indeed. Yeah. yeah, the talk you know was that uh, the free agent market would kind of go slow until Shohei, you know, was. Uh, in his new home, and uh, you know, as we saw last week, he was uh, made official uh, when we were right, pretty much when we were doing our show last week. So uh, he donned that Dodgers uniform, and we thought, well, here we go the uh, the floodgates are going to open up. And unfortunately, that has not come to fruition whatsoever. We uh, we're watching a stagnant hot stove. It's it's you know. I, Stop me if you've heard this before, but it's kind of a not even a lukewarm stove at the moment. There are a ton of free agents out there. There's a lot of trade talk. 
there's been some minor signings here and there, some things that have kind of happened, but really hasn't gotten rolling yet. And we always were kind of hoping to get that thing to a rolling boil, right? But it just doesn't happen. So, you know, now that the, the, the story is everybody's waiting on uh Yama, what, what, Yama, yeah, exactly. Yama. Now, now Yoshi they're waiting Oru, on another Japanese Yamamoto. baseball player to sign, and yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, waiting everybody for, else is sitting around watching, waiting for Cy Young winner Blake Snell to come off the board, and you know, there's always an excuse of why this thing isn't going to get rolling, and it, it could be one of those off seasons where here we are, we're getting into late January and early February, where you know some of the big names are still out there, so. We'll see how it goes, but man, you want to talk about boring. <laughs> you remember, uh, we were uh, podcasting at the time, and uh, let me go ahead and bring everybody here back uh, a couple of years. You remember that year where there was going to be that lockout, and everybody thought that everybody's going to wait until after the lockout to to sign free agents, and the White Sox just kind of hung around on the on the side and watched literally everybody fly off the board and did absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was like the first week of December, and there, yeah. I mean, the hot stove was hotter than I can ever remember it being, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's I, all it's all the dominoes falling. White Sox still sitting there going, uh. Wait a second! No, this is going to slow down, right? And it just never did. And everybody signed, and uh, they were just sitting there, and we're sitting here, and uh, yeah, that was that was a great time. I just figured I'd bring everybody back to that, uh, you know, classic White Sox moment of uh, free agency period. Well, you know, at that time, all their guys were starting to check the boxes, mm. check yes the boxes, and uh, we, you know, we're confident in in the ball club that we have. Uh, put together over the past few years here so uh you know we're just going to kind of stand pat and watch everybody else make the moves when all we wanted all we wanted was something to solidify our yep. window of contention what well, I was gonna, I was gonna wait uh, until later on after I talked about all, all this uh, flurry of uh, this flurry hey. of White Sox. Uh, action here over the last couple of weeks but uh um you know the AL Central teams have actually you know for once you look at and it's I mean it don't get me wrong it's not anything super exciting um but you do have a few moves around you know uh Kenta Maeda Jack Flaherty um yeah, uh Marcus Stroman um you know, there have been some interesting AL Central moves. Um, and, you know, the one thing that we have heard from White Sox brass uh, for years now, actually, is that the White Sox will be okay because they're in the AL Central. And it shouldn't be, uh, you know... you know, they're, It's a very winnable division. Sorry, they are fortunate to be in the AL Central. And, um, you know, as the one market that actually should and could spend some money um you know they don't and uh i mean not that i mean don't get me wrong this year i wasn't really expecting a whole lot um you don't say but yeah i mean we've talked about that uh um but um you know 
Here we are. Yeah. Here we sit. <laughs> um, but, you know, they did sign Eric Fetty. That contract finally did come through. Uh, two years, $15 million. The uh, corresponding move, uh, we'll move into these uh, these White Sox moves, was to uh, designate uh, a fellow that they picked up from the Pirates, uh, Johan Ramirez. You might recognize him from that uh, awesome picture that you see on the internet floating around with a gigantic hat on. Um, he was designated, and then uh, the White Sox just traded him to the Mets today for some cash considerations. That's exciting. Yeah, but uh, I, I think it came out to uh, a, a whole $100,000. Something like that. Is, I, it's reported anyways. So my question here is, is uh, you know you watched the Mets last year, and the Mets last year were signing people left and right, which and I'm not saying that they're not trying to do that this year. I mean, for all I know, I mean there was that secrecy around the uh, the Sheho uh, contract. It's entirely possible that they were really putting forth effort to try and get uh, Shohei to New York, and uh, that did not obviously happen. Um, but my question is, what what do the Mets want with a Johan Ramirez? Um, I mean, I kind of thought, you know, they did get rid of a ton of payroll last year by trading, uh, you know, their huge burden of starting pitching that they had signed in the offseason. Um, but they're getting a guy who, for the White Sox last year, pitched in five games, uh, made it through four innings, and had a nine ERA and a two whip. Um, not exactly like he's, uh, you know, what you would call a solid bullpen arm. Um, just kind of uh, no. surprising that uh, anybody was really that into it, that they actually traded him and traded for him instead of just either A, picking him up off of, uh, you know, picking him up off of waivers or, you know, if the White Sox just happened to release him afterwards. I mean, were the Mets really that worried that Johan Ramirez – wasn't going to get released that that was who they pushed for to make a trade. Just kind of of one of those things where I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, you can do that. I, you know, I'm not mad about it, but, um, you know, just obviously (laughs) they feel like they can fix whatever's going on with them. Uh, you know, and I read some, you know, kind of early preliminary thoughts on, on, you know, what they saw in him and, uh, it, it was actually a New York uh, blogger that I, I clicked on one of his articles and, you know, he made some good points about Johan uh, and his pitch usage over the course of the last few years. And, you know, one of the things being that uh, he might have been overusing uh, a couple of pitches in his arsenal and not using enough of, uh, you know, like his wipeout pitch uh, in you know, I don't know. He's kind of changed his pitch selection quite a bit over the years, and they feel like maybe they can kind of direct him and turn him into a viable bullpen arm. But, you know, I'm with you, man. Like, what is it that they needed to make this move? I mean, it's not like they had to go deep into the pockets, though. If if the reported $100,000 cash consideration That's is fair. there, you know, I guess they can take a flyer on it. And, uh, you know, if it pans out for him, great. If it doesn't, whatever. But, you know, what's the rush? 
what's what's the hurry? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want, you know, if you want to make Johan Ramirez a priority in free agency, cool. Hey, you know, by all means. <laughs> uh, next on the list of uh, things, uh, the White Sox signed an international free agent, uh, Gerardo Sifani. Um, now we talked about this off stream and I had somebody comment on the tweet when I posted a picture of him when he was, uh, doing his contract signing and he said he does exist. And, uh, you know, like yeah, it was you a and, short conversation. When yeah. We talked about it. I was great. Yeah, exactly. Is that the thing is, is the only, literally the only thing I know about this guy is that he's a left-handed pitcher and he's five ten. I don't know how old he is. Uh, I, I mean, he came from the Diamond Prospects Academy in the Dominican, but I don't know if he's from the Dominican. Uh, I don't know what pitches he has. Uh, I don't, I literally know nothing about this guy. I looked and there is, you know, there's nothing he's a ghost. out there. Yeah. He's a ghost on the internet. If the picture didn't exist, you would say, uh, who is this guy and why, where, when, who there's, there's nothing. Yeah. I can Google myself and find more than I did on this guy. Oh, 100%. 100%. Unless you're living in, like, South Dakota in the hills with, like, uh, no running water and no electricity, that's the only way that you could get less of a digital footprint than this guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't – you know, the, and the, the international signing period doesn't start for another month, so it still goes on the 2023 budget, so – he must not have signed for that much money either because they don't have that much money to give at this point. Um, I, I know that they still, I'd have to ask, I'd have to ask James Fox because James Fox is about the only person I, I know that knows how much uh, roughly about how much money the White Sox have left to spend in the international market. Yeah. So, he's pretty good about keeping tabs on all that stuff and, and yeah. getting it down almost the, you know, near exact dollar amount. hundred percent. Um, so the White Sox also signed uh, Chucky Robinson, and he is a 29-year-old 29, 29 catcher uh, that they picked up. I believe they picked him up from the Reds. Uh, initially, uh, he was drafted. I can't, I'm trying to remember who he was drafted by. Uh, it escapes me. I mean, ideal, realistically, it does not matter uh, who originally drafted him. Um, but... He's another uh, one of these uh, guys that the White Sox have apparently prioritized in signing this year. He's from Illinois, and uh, he's from Danville, Illinois. and um, oh, Down south yonder there. Yeah, yeah, down near Indianapolis. Um, so I was like, you know, Danville sounds really familiar. And so I started thinking, I was like, man, why do I know Danville? And so I started uh, like kind of looking around, trying to remember why the heck I know knew about Danville. And well, there's a name. I mean, there's a bunch of names. What name are you thinking of? It wasn't uh, Tommy from Danville. I don't think so. No. But now that you do mention it, there are, and and we're, we're talking about major league baseball players here. There might have been other baseball players that I don't know about, but there have been seven major league baseball players. I'm sorry. Tony born... was from Peoria. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he was. Uh, there have been seven major league baseball players from Danville, Illinois. Danville, Illinois okay. 
is a hotbed of baseball activity. There are also a bunch of other people from Danville, Illinois. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a list of, of people here for Dan from Danville. And this is obviously more than anybody that's listening or watching wants to know about Danville, Illinois, but it is kind of interesting because when you think of Danville, you think of, you know, a Southern Illinois town that's close to Indianapolis. And that's pretty much all that I think about. Uh, but Gene Hackman went to junior high and some of his high school there. Um, bizarre. Uh, also, actors Dick and Jerry Van Dyke, also from Danville, Illinois. Uh, they're at least I had no idea. Did you know that they've got a sister? That they that they had a sister. The Van Dykes. Yes. I did not. Also an actress um, in adult films. Really? <laughs> yeah. Had Kelly no Danville. idea. Man. Yeah. Kelly right. Jean Dan- Van Dyke. Yeah. From Danville. Who knew? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robin Yount is actually, I, I forgot to mention that. Robin Yount's actually born in, in Danville as well. So there's a Hall of Fame baseball player from Danville, Illinois. Also, okay. uh, if you are a music fan, and like many music fans, you hate Live Nation, you can thank Danville, Illinois. Uh, they spawned Irving Azoff uh, in Danville, Illinois. So um, there's just a whole bunch of stuff apparently going on in Danville, Illinois. Who knew? So No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, population of about 29,000 down there. I was just looking at diary while you were, uh, you know enlightening all of us on on the uh the hotbed of activity but twenty nine thousand. i mean you know the the suburb of chicago that i live in has a population higher than that yeah exactly. good old burbank illinois yeah i think uh, i think we're in a neighborhood of about thirty five thousand, if i'm not mistaken uh, Booming. Anyway. Booming. yeah yeah not i'm really and you know it's a hotbed of activity here too if you're into the you know corner bar dive scene <laughs> you know i mean In, next uh, dollar maybe, centrals you know maybe next stream we'll go into the uh the famous people that have come from burbank illinois uh let's not it'll be a really short stream <laughs> uh the white Sox have also signed uh jake cousins uh, initially drafted by the Washington Nationals in the 20th round in 2017 uh born in park ridge and uh nearby to me uh, went to Wheaton Academy for high school. Hey, so right. uh, yeah, more more uh, close, you know, close in proximity to Thirty uh, Fifth and Shields on the uh, in the White Sox org. Um, so. Yeah, well, I guess if you can't make the fans very happy with the moves you're making, you might as well make some hometown kids happy. The yeah, White Sox make making dreams come true. That is going to be the new. Uh, tagline around the team this year i mean you know if you grew up watching the white Sox, uh, i mean or the cubs uh on tv you say chances are half these guys are uh, cubs fans yeah you know, 100 <laughs> percent. yeah uh um who was it it was uh the the um the guy who the uh white Sox guy got um the a ball pitcher 
Riley uh, Goins. Uh, yeah, Gowans. Gowans. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. you know he's got a picture of Wrigley on his on his Twitter account. So you know, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Good stuff. Some, something we did not talk about uh, in great detail um, was the Rule Five draft. We talked about the winter meetings and a bunch of things not happening at the winter meetings, and especially for the uh, the White Sox, uh, despite the fact that everybody's expecting you know. Uh, a lot of yeah, and and he is also a cousin to Kurt Cousins, so cousins, the two of them, um, cousins, cousins, yes, the cousins, cousins. Um, the White Sox selected uh, Shane Drawn from the Red Sox in the major league part of the Rule Five draft, and in the minor league uh, phase of the Rule Five, they selected Jose Ramirez. Not that Jose not, Ramirez. No, right. Not that Jose Ramirez. Not the one that you want. Um, yeah, J-Ram is not in the minors. <laughs> yes. One J-Ram. Wrong J-Ram. Um, right. He is a uh, pitcher from the Red Sox org, and uh, I did a little diving into that one. I guess you know what I, you know what I could do is I could uh, – I know that someone here, somewhere here, I'd have to, I'll have to grab it real quick off the, uh, the Twitter machine. Um, the interwebs, yeah, if you will, yeah, you know, you, you say a name like Jose Ramirez and kind of it, it, it two, gets two, a little something three. tingling, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, let's do this. Let's go to screen. And then you know, you realize it's it's not yeah. that guy. It is not. That guy. All right. I yeah. should have. Uh, so here's uh, here's the the major league uh, rule five guy, uh, Shane Drowen. And here's uh, here's his stuff so just so you can see uh, what the White Sox did get. And then we will discuss uh, if I can get and it. 13 to four. Two two swing and a miss. And Drowen <laughs> starts his day with a K. Here's the one two to Austin Wells. And he's rung up. Big curveball for strike three. Tipped into the catcher's mitt, strike three. Another changeup and another K for Shane Drowen. Enjoying the the scenery. Um, a lot of access for kids with, uh, you know, Warren. Drowen's 2-2, struck him out on a slider. Wow, he's got five strikeouts to the first of the night. It's a 1-2 to Lockridge, and he strikes him out again. Big curveball, and from 0-2, the count is full. And the 3-2, swing and a miss. A 1-2-3, fourth inning. And he's got it. Strikes out Chaparro. It'll run off the duck boat. <laughs> Cordero crazy. goes down swinging. So starts an opportunity slide. to put something like this on tape. He struck him out. Goes to the changeup and blows him away with a fastball, and Shane Drowen is dealing. All right, let me go ahead and minimize and that. And 13 to face 4. back in here. All right, so um, I have seen um, some comments from some beat writers around baseball, and they said that they think that Shane Jones, uh, the kind of guy that's probably going to end up returning to the Red Sox um, and uh, refunding the White Sox a little bit of their money. Um, but from what you saw there, and, and keep in mind – that, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, and by me tweeting that, uh, I do not 
expect that to be the performance every single time he goes out. That was his best game of 2023 for the for the Woo Sox, and uh, he went five innings and uh, had a three hit shutout. Uh, he only walked one. Uh, the issue that comes with him is that you have uh, some command problems. Uh, when he does not have the feel for that changeup, uh, a la Lucas Giolito, um, when he does not have the feel for that changeup, everything else goes haywire and everything else gets hit hard. And uh, that that seemed to be kind of a uh, fairly common occurrence last year where he would have, you know, a, a game or two that were good and then he'd have a game or two that were bad. And the thing that you would notice is you'd look at the walk totals and he would have five walks and five strikeouts or he would have one strikeout and six walks. You know, it, it's just kind of one of those things that um, – you know, I don't know, you know, and because he is part of the MLB phase of the Rule 5, he has to be on the 26-man roster all year. So not not that I'm saying that the White Sox are going to have a, a hard time uh, keeping him on the 26-man roster. I, say, because I think they could probably we've find seen some that. space for him. Yeah, I mean, we've <clears throat> seen that roster. So, I mean, there is there is open space there. And uh, with some trades that will get made, I you know, he does have – you know, there is a place where he could fit, you know, even if it's a, a mop-up role type deal. Um, and we know that there's going to be a lot of mop-up this season, you know, um, just simply due to the fact that we know that they're probably not going to score a whole lot of runs. And, uh, you know, regardless of whether Cease is here or not, um, there are going to be plenty of runs given up by the starting staff for the White Sox. So I would not be surprised if, you know, we see see him coming out of the bullpen. Um, so what you're saying is, is I shouldn't get my hopes up that they're going to be a, a fun watch? I mean, sure? I'm not going to tell you how to fan, Danny. <laughs> you fan however you want to fan. Um, Show me. Yeah. Uh, Call me Missouri. I'm going to bring up the uh, the Jose Ramirez uh, the Jose Ramirez footage that I that I scraped together for that uh, f- for the tweet. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and bring that up. No, not that one. This one. There we go. And uh, here's Jose Ramirez. Um, this was also his best performance of last year. Yeah, on the outside corner. Uh, let me restart Velasquez. that. Toss comes home. Off speed, called strike three. On Loves the that outside corner. corner. One, two. Off speed pitch, cut right Ooh, through. Drop on that was One, two's disgusting. coming out. Strike three called on the outside Ooh, corner. Out and let the runner score. Break even pitch. Fastball called, strike three. Two, two's coming out. Breaking ball, cut through Ooh. and miss. It. The payoff pitch. Curveball called, strike three. A 10 pitch strikeout. Vasquez. Yeah, Toss so uh, let me go Off ahead speed. and Call back. Three on the outside. Going yeah, I mean there is there's he's filthy. There's some there's some definite potential there. There there is definitely something to dream on there. And you know that the thing about it here's the thing for for me personally when, when I look at at him is that there is, yes there is uh, there's some nasty stuff. And there's some good movement out of, out of you know some of his pitches, and uh, 
you know, if he can play well between uh, changing eye level on the pitches and uh, gets a good pitch mix, um, you know, could be a good thing. He's not, you know, he's 22 years old. He's not, he's not old. So, uh, you know, there's entirely a possibility. And uh, I mentioned it in the, in the tweet is that uh, there's probably going to be some lab work with uh, Brian Bannister and uh, the coaches down in Arizona with him. And I also foresee him talking to uh, the training staff as well, trying to put some, you know, strength in there and uh, trying to up the velocity. Cause right now you're looking at a high of 94 miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, he's generally living in the 91 area. And, you know, if you get a, if if you get a uh you know a a velocity variation uh a nice velocity variation in between his fastball and his changeup and his and his slider you could be doing some real things i mean you don't i mean we all know that you don't have to throw 96 97 miles an hour to you know to be successful but you do have to be able to pitch if you're going to live in that velocity area. Right. And not in 92, 91, 92. If it's straight as an arrow, you might as well be throwing BP. We've seen it with, you know, white Sox relievers, especially that, uh, you know, are tagged with the, with the term high potential. Right. And their fastball, you know, loses a tick here or there and it's straight as an arrow and it gets teed off on. But, you know, I, the, the one thing, like I said, you know, I, I don't really know anything about this kid. And I know that that was his best outing that you put up there for us to look at. But there was yeah. definitely filthy stuff there. Uh, you, but you've got to be able to do that. you got to be able to change eye level like you're saying. <clears throat> the other thing is, is uh, with the type of pitches that we just watched in that clip, uh, you better be able to pinpoint those because if you lose the command on those, you're going to get teed off on those as well too, and you're probably going to put some guys on base yep. as well. Guys are going to lay off that stuff. That is especially I, we're talking to, that's we're talking about major also, league hitters. Yeah, that that's also an <clears throat> issue with Jose Ramirez. Same with Shane Drone. Same thing is that they both have lapses in command. So, you know, it's it, and you know, yeah. You go ahead. You I'll, can, I'll 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 make a. Well, I was just going to say, you can throw that, you can throw that nasty junk up there, but the difference between say a single A and double A hitter and a major league hitter is that, you know, these major league hitters have seen that stuff. You know, this isn't going to be the first time that they're seeing, you know, stuff like that with, with great movement. And, you know, even if you've got good placement on it, these are the types of things that the White Sox should be working on. But you're, you're talking about guys who are going to look for a hitter's pitch and leave the pitcher's pitches alone. So if you are getting guys that are going to leave those filthy pitches that are maybe trying to nip the edges of the corner, you're trying to Picasso those in there and you you might not, especially if you're early in your career, you might not get those calls from those umpires. We've seen guys get squeezed before, uh, you know, you're going to get yourself in in the counts where you're falling behind and you're going to have to throw that 92 mile an hour fastball up there. And we know how that goes. You get down, you know, two and oh three and oh and you got to throw up a, a fat one you're gonna get pounded yeah pretty badly i mean i have not i've, I've watched uh a couple of starts by both of them and um that's essentially when when they're not clicking that's that's been the book you know is that if they get themselves behind in counts either you know they try and pitch too fine 
and uh, there ends up being a bunch of walks or they get hit. Um, one thing I did want to want to mention um, because I've seen this thrown around on the internet. Um, the fact that uh, the Red Sox did not retain either of these guys in the Rule 5 and that they were available, so there must be something wrong with them. They're, they must be heavily flawed uh, if the Red Sox didn't want them at all. And I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, where the Red Sox are different than the uh, the Pale Hose is that they actually do sign a ton on the international market. Every year in the international signing period, if you look at the Red Sox, they sign 20-plus guys every year. And so just by sheer math, every year, if you've got a 40-man roster and say you've got your 26-man roster and say you you only want to keep 23 of those guys, right? So you drop three of them, and then you bring three other guys and put them on the 26-man, or you leave it open for free agents. But your your 40-man, you know, you're going to lose three guys out of that, or if they leave for free agency or whatever. But the thing is, is that you only have so many 40-man spots available. Right. So if you, and if, if you've got three or four spots on your 40-man available, and you have... 45 guys coming up for rule five eligibility. You're only going to be, and I think this year, uh, if I remember correctly for rule five purposes, I think the Red Sox only added two guys to their 40 man roster. And, uh, drawing was not one of them. And, uh, and obviously Jose Ramirez was not put on the triple a uh 40 man either so he was not uh he was available for the minor league uh phase so you know when you have like that sheer number of guys uh it was it was written i mean there's there are a bunch of articles if i, I you know I'm not going to bring them up on here but if you look on the internet and you search for uh Red Sox rule 5 2023 you'll see uh, there are quite a few articles that talk about the Red Sox knowing that they were probably going to lose quite a few guys in the rule five this year, simply because of the numbers of guys that they were going to leave unprotected and the talent that they had at right. those levels. Well, you know, there's the other, there's a the flip side of that too, is when you are signing that many guys during a, a free, free uh, an international free agent period, uh, you know, Again, opposite of what the White Sox do, the White Sox kind of go for the uh, the guys that you know you've heard of, the guys that are uh, you know highly scouted, maybe even uh, a little on the uh, higher uh, touted level. Uh, and the flip side of that with the Red Sox, you know, just like going back into the major league draft, when you get guys that are a little bit deeper in those markets you can still find something. And I think that's probably the philosophy that the Red Sox are taking is, you know, maybe we go out and we get 12, 15, 20 of these guys. We might hit on two or three of them as opposed to hoping, you know, pinning all our hopes and prayers and money dollars on a handful of guys that maybe don't pan out. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're playing their hand a little bit differently. Uh, It could benefit them, but 
At the same time, maybe it benefits the White Sox. We don't really know yet, but, uh, you know, I don't mind stealing a little something for uh, next to nothing. You know what I mean? The Rule 5 draft is, it's been a way for teams to add, if anything, you know, just a little bit of depth at some point. And we know the White Sox, with their injury history the last couple of years, depth is probably a good thing. Yeah. And, I, you know, there was a, uh, I don't think we talked about this last week at all, but uh, Francis Romero uh, who's a, you know, he's big in the international market. Uh, I don't know if we, yeah, we did mention it cause we brought up a uh, Jerdrick Profar and, uh, Eduardo Herrera who, you know, are both, you know, ranked fairly high in the international free agent market. This, this upcoming, uh, international free agent class. Yeah. Neither one of them is Luis Robert, but no, certainly not. But they are um, definitely, uh, definitely some of the few that are being talked about a little bit. Yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of, you know, it, it I don't know um yeah, because if you look at the Red Sox list, they'll have, you know, 15 guys that are getting like $15,000, right? Uh I don't right. know if the White Sox are going to, you know, now that they've got a different czar in place uh of the of the org, uh I don't know if they're going to switch up their uh, philosophy on how they handle the international market, whether or not they're going to sign uh, a bunch of guys like that. And uh, well, we you know, know Jerdrick, I think what was the estimated value on him was about 700,000, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, that'll leave them with something to play with. Uh, but again, you know, James Fox would be the guy to talk to on the, yeah. the actual dollar amount of what's in play. Yeah, and they say that uh, Herrera is going to get like one and a half to two million dollars. So, I mean, you're looking at like three million dollars, and I, th- I don't remember the exact amount, but I think it's like four and a half million dollars, something like that, that you get every yeah, year. Yeah, it was close period. to five. Yeah. Um, so. so, I mean, they will have, uh, you know, and that's that's just uh, two guys, you right. know. So, um. It's not far off from the whites what the White Sox are known for doing, which is signing uh, just a couple guys that are pretty large bonuses. But then, for whatever reason, unlike all the other teams that just cast a wide net, yeah, they just kind of stop there. <laughs> yeah, they just they they sign those couple of guys, and then they're just like, yeah, well, you know what? We don't feel like We're wasting good. the time. So, and, and you know, and you know, for the most part. You know, as far as any kind of talent acquired uh, that young, generally, uh, you know, speaking of guys like this, um, you know, anybody that you pick up that that early, there's a lot of development that needs to be done. And there's, you know, they haven't filled into their bodies yet. Uh, They have a bunch of skills that they need to acquire and work on to get better. And, you know, it's a crapshoot. So, you know, I mean, is it better to... uh, you know, cast that wide net and uh, pick up a bunch of these little guys. I mean, I don't necessarily say that I would say that it is because generally um, the guys that come up and are studs in Major League Baseball that were international uh, free agents at one point, most of them were the guys that got pretty big bonuses. Right. So, I mean, I I don't know which one's better than the other. I just know that the way the White Sox have done it hasn't necessarily panned out any better than any of the other philosophies either. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, like the the I just tweeted earlier about a, a, a home run that Fernando Tatis Jr. hit. Um, 
you know, the White Sox signed him and they signed him for like a, a decent bonus. You know, they didn't sign him for nothing. And, right. uh, you know, of course, we all know the story on that and I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, um, he was one of those guys. I mean, they've had a bunch of guys that have been, you know, guys that they've signed um, even for like a, a, a lower bonus slot. So I don't know, you know, make up your own mind there. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave that alone. Yeah, uh, you know. it's not yeah. even not even worth getting <laughs> aggravated about. No, it is, or not. or not being aggravated about, and just you know, kind of throwing up the hands and being like, yeah. it, it all just comes back to tailing evaluation, and it just hasn't been there for the White Sox in a while. I, you know, and we can say the obvious thing about Luis Robert Jr. You know, the guys got a boatload of of talent, but maybe not quite the the mental makeup yet to make the best use of all that talent. Uh, but then again, you know, he was the last class of uh, a different rule set when it came to international signings. And, you know, he cost the White Sox a uh, pretty penny. It was a $52 million, I believe. I think he got $26 million and the White Sox paid $26 million in penalties. Yep. yep. So, uh, you know, a different world. And since things, you know, since things have changed, you know, in that time frame between then and now, uh, I, I'm just I'm waiting for something to happen. And, you know, maybe it will. You know, there's still a lot of these guys that are younger and making their way through the system, but nothing really jumps off the page at you. Right. Yeah. I think if I remember correctly, I don't I don't remember the exact number, but the uh, you know, I, I I still enjoy just having a laugh at the Cardinals expense. Um, when I think about the fact that, you know, they, they shorted the bonus that they wanted to give Luis Robert, um, by just a a few million dollars, it wasn't anything huge. And, uh, the White Sox ended up offering more and, uh, two of the other Cuban outfielders that they had signed, they traded away for next to nothing, uh, in Randy Arozarena and, uh, Adolis Garcia, they could have had a all Cuban outfield of Luis Robert, Adolis Garcia, and uh, Randy Rice Stadium, Randy or Rosarena. I mean, that outfield. Good night. Ridiculous. Yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, come on. On MLB the Show, speed, I could imagine. Speed, power. Yeah. Defense. It's all there, man. Insane. Um, all right, so uh, that's about all there is for the White Sox for this week. Uh, I don't want to get, you know, like, you know, just like normal, uh, I'm not one of those guys that likes to get into, uh, you know, what ifs projecting and- uh, who, who the White Sox are going to sign because I don't have any idea what they're doing. Um, some people no. will profess to know that they know, to say that they know, but uh, I don't. Uh, think that I have any idea what the heck they're doing at this point. Now we could sit here and talk about Dylan Cease till we're blue in the face, but we're not going to tell you. I mean, anybody who's paying attention, we're not going to tell you any different than anybody out there. Everybody, you know, word on the streets is the Braves are now the leading contender to sign him, and Baltimore is in the mix. But we know Baltimore isn't going to. Baltimore doesn't like to part with their top prospects. Certainly so. not. You know, there's a couple of, there's a handful of other teams out there that think they can get in there. The Pirates think they have a chance, which, you know, whatever we can, but we, there's no point in getting into the details and the nitty gritty and any of that stuff because 
quite frankly, we don't know where he's going. We don't know yep. who's going to be willing to part with what. And, uh, you know, I would like to be shocked and surprised when it does happen and hope that, uh, you know, Chris Getz proves himself as a GM when he makes his first big splashy move. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, let's just hope that we don't get fleeced in the end. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just out of curiosity and, you know, and I know that, uh, you know, the, the, the white Sox signings and, uh, and trades have been underwhelming. Um, what do you, just, just out of curiosity, what do you think about the direction that they're going right now? How do you, how, how do you personally, how do you feel about it? I'm just curious. Cause that's something that we uh, haven't talked about. Uh, you know, how you feel about the actual philosophy of what they're doing. Okay. I'll say this. Um, you know, it, it, we've talked about it pretty much ad nauseum since the, the uh, off season has started about how the white Sox want to get, there it is about how the white Sox want to be uh, better defensively. And obviously you're going to have to be better defensively because the starting rotation is uh, full of question marks and they've gone out and they've made some, you know, some moves, none of them splashy, all of them geared toward defense. But the thing is, is, you know, you think back to Pedro Grafal saying that uh, he wanted to get more aggressive and more fundamentally sound. I don't really know that we can call this thing a retool. You know, I, and I've made it very clear that I'm sold on the fact that it is not a retool and it is a full on rebuild, especially if Dylan sees goes, uh, but I can't get behind the idea of it being a retool signing a bunch of guys who were, you know, not, I don't even want to use the word has been because we're, we're, we're not doing the, the, the whole veteran thing right now. Right. Except for maybe like guys like Max Stassi, who, they don't play it all last year. Yeah, Paul DeYoung. Uh, <laughs> but how do you get more aggressive when you were one of the least aggressive on the base pass last year? I mean, they didn't even take bases on pass balls half the time. You know, these guys stood there and 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 they were like spectators. Now I get it. And, and the other thing is, is they don't grade out very well on the base pass. They don't, you know, sprint speed for what we know is on the roster right now. I mean, we, we can try to project what's going to be on the roster later on, but sprint speed was not all that great besides Luis Robert, but Luis Robert doesn't get great jumps. So his actual, even though he's in the, you know, top 15% or so in sprint speed, he's his, his actual base running grade is below average. Yeah. Uh, they don't, they don't take extra bases on, on balls hitting the outfield when they should. Uh, they don't go first to third very well. They definitely don't go first to home very well. Uh, they were lowest in the league in in uh, taking extra bases on doubles, bottom of the bottom of the league. So yeah, you can say you're going to get more aggressive and you're going to do these things, but who's on who on the roster can do that? Yoan Mankata can't run. Maybe he gets healthy and he runs a little bit better. Andrew Vaughn is uh, a bad version of Paul Canerco because Paul Canerco could actually hit the ball. He might be a little bit faster, possibly. Uh, a tick. Possibly. If, yeah, I mean, a tick. <laughs> Close. But whatever. Uh, I don't know that we have a catcher anywhere in the organization that can run at all. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, in the org, yeah. I mean, there's there, well, there are guys in the org that can right. do it, but... I mean, what, Hackenberg? I mean, Carlos can Perez can run a little bit. Uh, I mean, he's not... Okay, you're how about right, this? Right. He's not, he's not a, a, you know, a, a speed demon, but he's not slow. Hackenberg... He's he's you know plotting. He's not he's not fast, but uh, Michael right. Turner's fantastic on the bases. Uh, that okay. guy stretches yeah, yeah. doubles. Um, you know he's he he'll he'll run. He'll steal a base, uh, and and he's a great base runner. So okay. I mean there All are right. there are a few catchers in the system that can do some things. Uh, you know it's just um, yeah. How many of them are we going to see on an MLB roster this season? Although I don't know. It seems season, like they just want to load up on. They might want to load up on catchers. So you, you know, all that half of our free agent signings this this season are, are catchers. <laughs> There's like 37 catchers in the in the org right now. Yeah, I'm kind of. I mean, and just, none of them awesome. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm kind of curious as to where <laughs> Chucky Robinson fits in. Yeah, I, you know, when I saw that signing, I went, "What are they doing?" Yeah, I don't where know. Do you even put them. Yeah, because you got even put him because there's like four catchers in Charlotte. He's 29 (laughs) years old and you've got Hackenberg and Perez in Charlotte. So are you going to take away at bats from those guys now that you've got Stassi and you've got Carroll? Well, I mean, he's he's probably going to be in double A, but I mean, okay. I thought maybe he'd be in triple A, but nah, not yet. And again, you really don't have any room for him. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, you make room for a guy like that. Uh, but, um, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I kind of wonder, you know, at, at him being 29 years old, like you can't put him down very low, you know, and he's not, but you're not going to put him in high a, you're, well, you're not going to put him in major league baseball either. So what, right. what so are you doing with him? Exactly. I have no idea. Um, all right. So, well, yeah, I, but as far as the direction goes, like, I just don't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Getting better defensively does make sense to me. Yeah. But being more aggressive and trying to score more runs and generate runs, play small ball, if you will, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense when you got no speed aside from Luis Robert. I mean, Aloy, when healthy, can run a little bit, but we've seen him dog it over and over and yeah. over again. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, his legs are going to fall off. Yeah. I mean, you know? other. Uh, Benintendi is is probably the next fastest guy on the team. I don't know, or at least the next best base runner on the team. Well, and I mean, if that's like, the case, if if Luis Robert and you got Nicky Lopez now, he's a no, he's slower than crap. He's slower than molasses in January. You watch the guy. I well, I mean, maybe I just watching a little bit of video on him. I've seen he looks, he looks like he's kind of awkward and, and slow to me on the base path. Uh, hold on. I'm looking this up on Baseball Savant because I have not yet. But we're gonna uh, well, I haven't theory. looked at it, but I, just, I I'm, yeah, no, I know. I'm just, you know, and I, and I hate to do the whole eye test thing, but visual, really uh, I believe that you will find that that is called uh, visual analytics. There you go. Um, Tony Turkey Trot. Let's go here. Across your screen. 57th percentile. Oh, so he's just above. You know, it's it's you know a little better okay. than a little better than uh, than terrible. You know, like and the thing <laughs> is, but the thing is, is that he's a pretty, but he's a, a, a an intelligent base runner. Okay, you know, All it's right. not that he's necessarily fast, but it's the same thing with Ben Intendi. You know, is that he's not even remo- You would n- never remotely think about calling him fast. 
But yeah, he's probably he's, around league average. But he's not a bad base runner, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I I'm kind of along. Uh, kind of have the the same feelings as you when it comes to this whole thing of I'm not a hundred, I'm not sold on it. And it's not necessarily that I think that, um, that what they're doing is a bad thing and that I disagree with it. I just don't know if it's going to work, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, you get the feeling that the, the idea, the philosophy that they're using, uh, is a good one. Yeah to an extent, but there's no offense. <laughs> and if you're not going to have offense, then you get better have somebody being able to do something on the base pass when you do get runners on. And <sighs> I just don't see that working. Yeah, me either. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we see w- when it happens, but you know, I'm not, I'm not banking on it being like, uh, some huge thing that, uh, you know, is going to pay like all sorts of huge dividends. You know what I mean? I like, I just, I, I don't see it happening, but you know, um, stranger things have happened and, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, my, my, the last, you know, parting thought on that whole conversation is if we are to believe Josh Barfield, when he says he feels like he can add 15 wins to this club, just becoming more fundamentally sound. I don't see where those 15 wins are coming from as, you know, as we sit right now, I really don't. Uh, there better be some other moves during this off season that give you some sort of production offensively. Otherwise, you know, you can, we can sit here and say that, oh, well, there's guys on the team if they're healthy and everybody comes back and does the things that we know they can do. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. But we've been saying that for a few years now and I, I just don't see it. Hey, did you know that getting a healthy Yoan and Eloy is like signing two quality free agents? um all right so call me wake me up when that happens wake me up when both of those guys are healthy yeah i mean well i mean you know who knows maybe they could have a healthy year and maybe they both bounce back i'm not gonna say that that's not possible um wake me up when andrew vaughn finds his bat you know i don't know best pure hitter in his draft class best mlb ready so i've heard draft class that's going to be it for this year, I think, uh, probably because uh, unless something happens uh, between now and New Year's, um, I don't really call it holidays coming up here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we got holidays. Uh, maybe, possibly, uh, we do something uh, after Christmas, um, but it's on a Monday, and uh, New Year's Day is on a Monday. So, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, we'll have to do something in the middle of the week if we're going to do it. So, yeah, well, you know, if there's some news, if there's something we're talking about, we'll hop on. Yeah, exactly. No and doubt. That's if there's something that happens. And uh, yeah, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> uh, yeah. Will it be something that's actually worth? I mean, like I took a bunch of the signings and put them all in this week, even though it's spread out over like three weeks. I still did it like yeah, so threw them all in here. So uh, it would have to be something uh, worthwhile to uh, get us up off the couch for next week. Uh, otherwise, maybe we might uh, just hit it up in the new year. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, having said that, I, I hope everybody that uh, 
comes in to watch and listens, uh, has a great holiday season. Spend some time with uh, friends, family, loved ones. Yep. I hope uh, Santa brings you everything that your heart desires, including you, my good sir, Mr. Thank Ian Asker, my, uh, my esteemed host. Happy so. holidays. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm uh, got some some things coming up here next year that uh, some big things that are looking like, uh, you know, that might happen. And, uh, you know, we have some things planned, so that's good. Um, yeah, it might be some changes in the wind. Stick, stay tuned. Yeah. Um, at Daily White Sox on the X Twitter. Um, you can search for us, uh, Daily White Sox, on Facebook, YouTube, uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. You can find this podcast and the written articles that exist are on there. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcasts. Um yeah, you guys have a great holiday uh, coming up here, and uh, maybe we will see you before the uh, before the new year. Uh, but uh, don't don't bank on it. If if the White Sox aren't doing anything, we're not getting up, uh, you know, and putting down the eggnog and coming on here and doing uh, doing a podcast. Um, you guys have a wonderful holiday. Uh, thank you so much for listening, watching, coming in, and commenting. Uh, for myself, Ian Eskridge, and for my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night and uh, great holiday, and we will see you on the flip side. Thanks. Have a great night.